0: FYI, and I don't mean fake news. This podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode three hundred and forty two of the podcast that goes snicked, snicked, I'm your host, Jason, forever young, (laughs) forever new, I don't know, I messed it up, Venable, (laughs) it's a bonus flashback episode, New Mutants, New Warriors, Avengers, oh my, and yeah, it's going to be a, uh, definitely a bite-sized episode, Um, I'm about to hit the road for family vacation and wanted to get something out before I left, but, um, obviously time's a little crunch as we're packing and making sure the littles are ready and all that stuff, and so, I kind of wanted to take advantage. There's several books, kind of at the end of 90, beginning of 91, even going into the middle of 91 a little bit, 1991, that is, um, that had very, very brief Wolverine appearances, um, you know, either in cameo or like one-panel flashbacks, or in one case, a, just a couple pages in a backup story in an annual. And so I'm going to kind of lump all those together and in a pretty quick run-through because there's really not a whole lot to talk about in regards to Wolverine. But I thought some of the comics were interesting and weren't discussing. And you know, that's I've been rolling when trying to capture all the all the cameos and at least that I'm aware of anyway. So it made sense to kind of just throw all these together. You know, little kind of bite-sized package in case you need a snack uh, before I get back in town. And um, yeah, so we'll go with that. So that's what this episode is going to be. Yeah, alright, here we go. Right into New Mutants number 100. The legendary comic... That was so hard to find when I was a kid. Um, it's the last issue of New Mutants, um, kind of on the the path to X Force. Um, this is this is it. This sets it all up. Um, so of course Rob Life. Oh, it's the end of the beginning uh, by Rob Liefeld. Mostly he does plots, pencils, and his own inks in this issue. Fabian Nasieza. Mayor name may not be right. I've heard people say, but I always forget. Um, Anyway, he's working on this script and also hair loss, it says. (laughs) Joe Rosen does the letters and eye strain. Brad Venkata does the colors and passports. Um, So, yeah, there you go. Um, Yeah, man, the end of an era for sure. As we kind of close the chapter on the mutants, mostly. More on that later than in the episode, but and uh, and kind of segue into X Force and you know kind of <laughs> almost unrecognizable cast by this point. You know, in recent issues, we just got the introduction of of Deadpool, Domino, and Gideon um, and Shatterstar, all brand new characters. Cable's pretty new, right? Feral. Brand new, um, Warpath. I don't know. I don't know if he's actually been called Warpath yet. Now I'm trying to remember. But anyway, um, James Proudstar um, coming over from the Hellions hasn't really been active in the X-books for a while. Um, Boom Boom and Cannonball have been with New Mutants and Cable, but they're the only two left, and Cannonball is the only original left at this point um cable's kind of cable and or circumstances have kind of run everybody off so he's having to refill the roster that's kind of what this book is about it's kind of rebuilding his team his new mutants team which will will very shortly change names and um so they're uh they're down in the basement on the x mansion and they get some intruders. Remember, at the end of 99... Well, you don't remember. We didn't talk about it here. If you've been reading along into mutants, you might want to know that <laughs> in the end of 99, a Shatterstar had teleported into the danger room. Unconscious. So now he wakes up, and what does he do? Well, he starts fighting robots in the danger room. That's what you do. So Cable, Domino, and Proudstar run in, and they're like, uh, what do we do with this guy? And so Proudstar tackles him there's some lots of macho off as cable proud star and shatter star kind of get into it and then domino kind of comes in and does her thing and you know kind of goes toe to toe with shatter star which impresses him and then he does this thing that i forgot where he can kind of shoot energy through his sword um so he does that he takes down cannonball and you know, kind of more fighting cable eventually is able to take him out, kind of. And oh, no, he does, he knocks him out with his own sword. And you know, they, they take him to the infirmary. Meanwhile, Pharaoh is snuck in from the warlock tunnels and is observing. It's like, hey, I like these guys, I could kind of work with these guys. And then some other people teleport in from Shatterstar's universe, which is the mojo verse. And we have some mojo bad guys, It's a classic. Rob Liefeld designed armor Um, and they're running after Shatterstar. They want to bring him back to the Mojoverse and then also Mask and his two guys. um, What are they called? Uh, They say their names later, but two just big hairy guys with pointy ears. um, And they're after Feral and they want to take her back to the tunnels. So Shatterstar wakes up and gives his origin to the new mutants. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that that tracks. They find Pharaoh in the kitchen trying to get some food. And um, Boom Boom shoots a time bomb, and no one likes that. And then more intruders as the robot, or I'm sorry, as the Mojoverse soldiers trip off the alarms and more fighting. And it kind of all comes to a head, right? Everyone's fighting, everybody is the... Mask and his goon show up to kind of get in on the fight, and there's robots, obviously, or, sorry, they look like robots, they're just warriors, and more of them keep teleporting in, and, um, more fighting, lots of fighting, it's a really cool panel of Shatterstar, like, sh- shooting his double-bladed sword behind him, you know, to the guy that's trying to tackle him, and going through with a shoom, it's a pretty rad panel. Um, then Cable just starts shooting people. He shoots Mask Underlings, just blam, blam. Takes them out. Um, is Brute and Brawn maybe? Um, something like that. And, uh, Mask is like, oh, wait, uh, okay, we're gonna go home now. I don't wanna get shot. So he goes home. And then, um, Cable basically tells... Star and feral hey why don't you join our team i need more people and then boom boom and cannonball are up top and they're lamenting they're the only two kind of new mutants left um but they still believe in the mission and they, they still want to help and they still believe in the dream and, and boom boom's like you're a good guy and they kind of hug and you can tell that there's maybe some feelings brewing there but they also decide that they can't stay at the school, which is another kind of trouble spot for Sam, because he doesn't really want to leave his home, right? But Cable's like, well, these Mojo guys, last Track Shatterstar here, they'll probably come back. And the Morlocks, Mask, know that Feral was left here, so they'll probably try to come back. It's probably just best if we're not here, when they get here. So we're going to go off and, and start X-Force. Cool. Cool. Then we have a prologue... Oh, so I guess... <laughs> worth mentioning. So when Shatterstar gives his origin, he talks about the Mojoverse and, and how the X-Men came there. So that's where we get our Wolverine flashback. Um, this is the Outback era X-Men. It looks like... Um, Colossus, Rogue, Wolverine, and maybe Storm? Maybe? It's in, it's in, like, gray tone. You can't really know much detail. It's very sketchy. But, um... So, Shatterstar, when, when he originally came to this Earth, he was actually looking for the X-Men. He came to the X-Mansion looking for one of the X-Men that had, had helped him out and helped out Longshot. Um, and he finds the new mutants instead. But he decides that, hey, if you guys will help me, I'll help you all So, that's our, our Wolverine kind of flashback cameo there. Um, and then we go to the prologue, which is Strife... And he's got, you know, some stuff going on. And after his his minions leave, he takes off his helmet. And it's Cable underneath. And... Oh, do you want to mention also that... Oh, no, I already mentioned, never mind, on on Twitter. So in Deadpool's first appearance in 98, he calls Cable Nathan. And so we kind of know that, like, they're starting to set up these ideas of who Cable is... Because we haven't gotten, you know, I talked about that when we talked about um, the, the issues that Wolverine was in with Andrew, that we haven't really established kind of what we now know is Cable at all. So we're kind of just now starting to get into that. But Strife takes off his helmet and, um, you know, deepens the mystery. Is he related to Cable? Is he actually Cable? Is Cable both guys? Like, is he playing both sides? I mean, these are the questions he would have had back in 91, um, going into X-Force. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, it happens like that. Um, but of course we'll find out more on who, who Cable and Strife actually are, um, as those stories progress. Um, but Yeah. You know, really a very fast-paced issue. Lots of action, but it's pretty fun. Um, Liefeld... King himself. I mean, he has some of Liefeld's foibles, but the art's pretty dynamic. Uh, good fighting. I enjoyed it for the most part quite a bit. Um... You know, it's a nice wrap-up. kind of ties off this era and gets ready to move in into X-Force later in the summer in 91. Um... I, that was a pretty fun issue, there's definitely a little bit, kind of, you know, for me, the first time, going along the flashback, flashback episodes of reading New Mutants, um, there's definitely a little bit of sadness, right, to to seeing that team pretty much having been completely disbanded, you know, in pieces, right, because there were was, was some that left earlier than others, like, you know, Karma, and Moonstar, and stuff like that, but and, and with the death of, of Warlock, you know, after the death of Doug and all that, like, you know, definitely a completely different team. And there's a part of you that, as the reader, as a New Mutants fan, is kind of like, whoa, I don't, I'm not sure about this. But at the same time, uh, pretty interesting characters and at least cool designs of Liefeld, or at least cool 90s designs, right? Um, and it's, I'll, you know, I always love seeing a Warpath show up. Um, and so it's, it's an interesting team that's put together, and I like it. I um, forgot to talk about the issue. The issue is a life fail kind of pinup with Feral diving at the reader, um, Warpath in the background with um, biceps on both his biceps and his forearms, up, up and downside, uh, Shatterstar, Domino, and then in the background you have Cannonball flying out from behind Cable and Boom Boom. Um, and then in the back. Just a kind of a, almost like a, like you can go to a red carpet or like an event. There's like the wall that has like the logos real small over and over again. It has the final issue 100 kind of in the on a white background behind our characters. It's a it was a pretty cool cover. And I'm gonna give this issue a very strong four out of six claws. It's it's in the five territory. Um, I don't know, not quite there on it. just as a standalone issue of itself. it Definitely, as far as its significance, I think would push it into that five. Um, But yeah, a very, very strong four out of six claws for me. But that is New Mutants 100. It sets some stuff up and gets us ready for uh, X-Force, which we'll eventually talk about again on the podcast because uh, there'll be some crossovers and stuff that go with that. But for this episode right now, we're going to move on to New Warriors. uh, The Forever Yesterday Saga. A three-part saga. Kind of the first one for the New Warriors. That's going to be New Warriors issues 11, 12, and 13. Um, Written uh, this time again by Fabian Nisseza. Mark Bagley is the penciler. Larry Malstead, the inker. Joe Rosen, the letterer and Andy Yankus, the colors and the covers are by Bagley. Um, 11 has a really cool cover of Nova kind of flying into the foreground and attacking and kind of plain clothes or, or I guess, civvy clothes Logan. And then he's flanked by versions that don't look quite right of Captain America, Thor and Iron Man. And definitely like curious of what's going on here. Um, So, I'll just kind of run through this real quick. We kind of start off in a dystopian future that's very similar to the days of future past story, but also quite different. And we find the United States of Assyria. So basically what happens is this character, the Sphinx, which is an old Nova character, and I think also did some Avengers and Fantastic Four stuff. Um, I guess at some point... He had gotten a lover. And we've seen this character kind of in the back of New Warriors. Kind of a, a dangling subplot. That's finally come to head. And she got like the staff of... I think of Ra maybe she called it. Or ZA, or someone. Horace. I don't know. She got some kind of staff. And basically rewrote history to to bring the Sphinx back to life in the form of a cat. and But then gave herself power. So basically Egypt was a world, the world power and his dynasty never ended and history was redone. So the Avengers are like agents of the United States of Assyria. Um, and they've recruited some people also to kind of help them um, but basically non-powered, people and especially Anglo people are, are kind of second class citizens and mutants are persecuted. And so Logan is leading kind of a mutant revolution and he gets caught and he's fighting and it's a pretty good fight, it's pretty good art, but he gets shot by this this staff and very reminiscent of when the Sentinel shoots him in Days of Future Past, kind of gets disintegrated, and you see his kind of adamantium skeleton. Um, and Noah's, he kind of flies home, he's kind of feeling uncomfortable, and they they get some more mutant refugees, and he feels uncomfortable again, but they go back to their base, and Magneto was leading the mutant liberation army, and he's got Juggernaut and some others, Cannonball, uh, Polaris. Cyclops looking very much like his dad, Corsair. Um, there's some interesting things, but basically they... They kind of give like a brief history of how Egypt... You know, kind of the world history of this kind of alternate timeline, right? And, um, you know, the parent, at one point the Sphinx had died, but all the heroes have kind of risen up against him. You know, we get another little shot of Wolverine. But this character in a white cloak called The Truth comes to Nova and tries to get him to kind of see what's really going on and how the world's supposed to be. And then we end meeting the new Sphinx. um, The female Sphinx, who of course is is leader of all of this. Um, So yeah. So we're just going to move on. Uh, Number 12 has a cover with Juggernaut and the Mutant Rebellion fighting the Assyrian Avengers. And that's kind of their plan, right? They're going to try to get through this they've gotten some information they're going to try to break through the barrier and get into new memphis i think is what it's called and and take the fight to the sphinx and nova has to decide which side he's going to be on and the more the truth tells him the more he kind of realizes that the world he's supposed to be from is is not this one and um yeah and there's some other characters kind of having their story um kind of all come to a head building towards this climax of this big epic final battle um and that's how it's gonna be so then issue 13 of course on the cover as it's loading here is everyone fighting a giant sphinx and um here we see saber is among the heroes so a little saber appearance as well um So he's going to kind of help fight, and basically, I mean, Nova's kind of the crux, and he kind of gathers the new warriors and, and brings them to meet the truth, and Night Thrasher decides that the way to get back to the Sphinx is through loss, and so he goes after the cat, when she makes the Sphinx, like, go, oh, someone's in my house getting my cat, I gotta go home, and the truth is, they would able to show more people how reality is supposed to be, and, a Marvel Boy and Firestar join with Nova, um, a naked Hulk gets punched into a speedball out in Jersey, Sphinx comes back home to fight Night Thrasher, but the other new warriors show up, and they basically confront Sphinx with the truth um, and I guess she kind of realized I guess in the end truth wins and she kind of realizes oh what have I done this isn't what the Sphinx my lover would have wanted and she kind of resets everything but as she does that her her black disintegrates so she loses that she's like okay well i don't want to abuse my power and i don't want to change history but i'm mad that i lost my lover and you haven't seen the last of me and and threatens to come back and the new warrior is kind of like woo, dodged a bullet there um (laughs) so the story is Fine. I enjoyed Wolverine as kind of like a, a leader of the mutant rebellion. I enjoyed seeing Sabretooth. I will say one thing is that these issues of New Warriors, Bagley's definitely kind of coming into peak '90s Bagley. Um, you know, the Bagley that I that I knew I loved on Amazing Spider-Man is starting to come together in this story. A little bit in the in the story before with uh, Night Thrasher and Bingle and then that kind of dumb South American story. But, um... Here, he's just really starting to click and turn into, like, the Mark Bagley that that became kind of a superstar of the 90s. Really starting to see that. So that is really cool. Uh, The story with the Sphinx, it kind of goes up and down. Kind of starts okay. Gets kind of interesting in the middle chapter. And then... kind of the resolution is a little weak and... I don't know. I mean, it's obviously it's good that it resets back, and they, and they tell the new warriors this will be like a a kind of waking dream. You won't really remember this, but you'll kind of feel like you maybe remember something happened. But the memories of this alternate world will will fade away, and you'll just kind of go back to normal. Um, I don't know. The story was fine. It's it was kind of fun seeing some alternate characters that's always kind of a a fun little thing but yeah i think overall i'm gonna give this out of six claws mostly just for the art um yeah sorry andrew i know we talked just talked about this recently on on a a business trip and I, i remember you having pretty fond memories of this story um but I gotta say, for me, it mostly clicked for the art. And, and some, some character moments as well. Like, it was cool seeing Nova kind of work through some issues and stuff like that. But um, the plot was, was kind of thin. Um, so so three out of six claws for these. Um, Which well, is going to take us to a new Mutants and a new Warriors story. Um, the summer annuals in 91 from the Mutant books... Is King of Pain. I'm sorry, Kings of Pain, which is going to be New Mutants Annual 7. It's part 1. Um, I don't think Wolverines in this one at all. Um, so we won't really talk about it besides just we and get kind of this crossover with some of the hottest teams in 91 and get some of the most boring artists <laughs> to draw the books, other than the New Warriors Annual, which is actually drawn by the artist. Regular artist Mark Bagley, but on this New Mutants annual, no life to speak of until the pinups at the very end, and the art is just not great. And they they fight some bad guys. Um, the new warriors show up at the end. There's a, a, a Freedom Four story that I didn't really enjoy enough even to finish. Uh, the art, the rubble I felt pinup is cool. There's an art. Diver or t bear i think is right panel at the end the coolest thing about this issue is there's like a chart like for all the data nerds and it's basically like a graph of all the new mutants characters and how long they've been with the team and you kind of see all their lines end except for cannonball and um <laughs> and boom boom but her line starts a lot short it just it's a cool kind of visual representation ...and shows you just how new this team is and the organization. Um, anyway, not not much to say about the the Kings of Pain, Part One. Um, we'll get into it some more, I guess, in a minute. The new Warriors. Um, so, so some, some companies have hired the these evil mutants, and particularly this guy named Harness, and her. Son, I'm sorry, this is a woman named Harness, and her son. have been running around kind of getting tracking old proteus energy and the he eats the energy and it's kind of filling up and blowing up and kind of getting bloated um and so there is kind of like a flashback and when proteus fought the x-men which of course includes wolverine i think that's this issue or is that not until the next one either um no, it's just one at the very end, when Cable realizes what's going on as the X, X-Force, even though it was so... Yeah, I didn't want to mention the New Mutants Annual, you know, New Mutants has already been canceled. I meant to look this up. I think it came out right around the same time as X-Force number one and two. Um, but it was still called New Mutants Annual. Um, anyway, Cable and X-Force... And the new mutants, of course, have teamed up. And Cable realizes the energy they're tracking is Proteus. And we get a panel at the end of a flashback. Proteus is. And we see Proteus fighting the X-Men, which, of course, includes Wolverine. Um, So that's our very brief Wolverine appearance there. And then we get a bunch of background, kind of origin stories of the new warriors. So we also get a Wolverine cameo in Firestar's origin. Because, of course, she... She fought the X Men that one time, I think, in, was it issue 193, I think, where her and Thunderbird slash Warpath uh, fight the Hellions. Um, so, yeah, so we see Wolverine again just briefly there. Um, yeah, but that's, that's that story. Uh, Mark Bagley did do the pencils. You can tell, maybe a little more rushed than his most recent... New Warriors issues... Um... So then we go... to X-Men... Annual 15... Um... where we have a story... Uh, by Fabian Nisieza... and Tom Rainey... Joe Rubenstein and company... do the inks... Joe Rosen... Uh, the... the letterers... Um... Here we get another kind of... flashback of Proteus... which includes kind of a brief panel wolverine and eventually here um Prote- they're the kid that's eating kind of the proteus energy like kind of blows up and like becomes like a merged version of proteus and the kid and decides he's going to remake the universe because that's the thing that proteus does right and you know it's up to everyone to kind of try to stop him and this all happens on Mirror Island, that's why it kind of is the X-Men annual, um, and, you know, they're gonna need some help from X-Factor, which is where the story will end. Now, in this one, there is two backup stories, the origin of the X-Men, where Mojo is explaining to his audience who the X-Men are, which of course includes a couple of panels of Wolverine. Um, this is written by Lynn Kaminsky, and drawn by Ernie Steiner, um, Letter by Joe Rosen, colors by Kevin Tinsley. Uh, this is pretty ugly, I apologize. And yeah, there's a couple of panels of Wolverine, obviously, but nothing really to comment on there. Um, but then we get another short story, also written by Lynn Kaminsky, this time penciled by Kirk Yarvinen. And inked and colored by Brad Venkata. Letters by Mike Heisler. And this is The Enemy Within. And it's just a short story of Wolverine kind of having a nightmare. And he's naked in the jungle. But it's mostly black and white with some kind of green hues. And the letterbox is all in pink. And the pages are red. So like behind the panel is all solid red. And Wolverine's kind of tracking something. But he's like too late to get us nicked. And he's fighting his own adamantium skeleton with the claws. And we get a snicked as the, uh, kind of looks like the Terminator, right? And kind of the cyborg skeleton. Um, so the claws, Snick, and they fight each other. And Wolverine realizes he can't ever beat the skeleton. And it stabs him through his hands and then kind of starts like merging with him. And he, he screams in, in pain. And he wakes up, and he's, like, kind of cut through his bed and his sheets and the walls, and he's like, oh, man, not again. And he lights a candle and, and meditates on the floor naked, and we get a snick, snick, snicked as he pops his claws in and out. Missed opportunity not to be a snicked, snat, snicked. But nonetheless, um, not bad. So this the story is, is okay. It's interesting. the concept of him kind of dreaming and having nightmares about fighting his adamantium skeleton and that kind of being like an invasive entity in him is is interesting um and i gotta say the art is really cool i'm not familiar at all with kirk yarvanen and i don't really know of brad vankata doing a lot of inks but their combination together has almost a very jim lee feel to it um It looks really good. It's visually very interesting, you know, what is this? One, two, three, four, five pages here. But it's visually just really compelling. And the story's pretty good. So, I mean, if I was going to rate this story by itself, I would probably give it five out of six claws. Um, If I'm going to rate the Kings of Pain overall... um, the only part that's really good is the Mike Magnola <laughs> covers. Um, and the X-Factor annual number 6. Um, of course, X-Factor shows up to help as they're coming back from really just having lost uh, their baby. Um, and so they, they get involved, of course, and help fight. And basically, Beast convinces Proteus that it's not to his advantage... To remake the world the way he sees fit Um, and maybe they should should reconsider that and basically Cyclops' mission is to try to get Proteus to commit suicide and basically convince him that he was better off dead and more at peace when he was dispersed and that's kind of eventually what he does and everyone's kind of sad and regretting that's what happened but you know they kind of all fly off back to their own own separate ways um i did not enjoy this story at all it doesn't help that the art was mostly pretty terrible throughout um i did enjoy the wolverine backup story and i do enjoy the covers to an extent though even that's not Magnola's best work um if i'm gonna grade these annuals you know just for what they are taking out The backup story of Wolverine, like I would give that Wolverine story, like I said, maybe five out of six claws. I'm giving these annuals, you know, including the Wolverine flashback cameos, um, a very weak two out of six claws. I kind of am bummed that I wasted my time with them, but um, anyway, that's going to take us to our last two issues, which are going to be Avengers 332 and 333. And this is an Avengers Doctor Doom story. Um, so, 332 is written by Larry Hammer. So, back to Hammer time. Um, Breakdowns by Paul Ryan. Finishes by Tom Palmer. Colors by Christy Sheel. Letters by jo- John Costanza. Um, and our cover is by Ryan and Palmer. And it's Doctor Doom in the background. And then the avengers party in the foreground which includes wolverine and tuxedo with a cigar um 333 a little bit different credits um life of the party is by larry Hama again but this time herb Trimp does the breakdowns and then tom morgan and reggie Reggie jones do the finishes then christy shield does the colors again and bill oakley does the letters um Covered by Morgan this time, Tom Morgan, and it's Dr. Doom in the foreground with his palm reaching towards you, a twinkle in his eye, and you think he's about to blow like glitter in your face. And then some of the Avengers are running behind him, uh, led by Rage, the newest Avenger, and then Captain America, Cersei, and Quasar. Um, so, really, the, the, the gist of this story is that the Avengers are opening, opening their new headquarters and having a big soiree And Wolverine is on the guest list uh, in his tuxedo. And basically, Dr. Doom sneaks in to prove that he can. And then, with some Doombots, he gets in there and says, Ha! Your security is not what you thought it was. I can get in. And I will tell you how, but first you have to agree to take me to other dimensions to try to find my mommy. And the Avengers are like, well, if you'd just asked us, we might have helped, but probably not, because we don't trust you. But definitely not because you broke into our headquarters, our new base, and ruined our airtight security and made us look the fool. And we had to send all these dignitaries and heroes like away so we could take you on. And of course, they realized that all the Doom Bots, or all the Dooms, are Doom Bots, and he was never really there. He was outside controlling it from a, a limousine because uh, that's how doom rolls and and he gets mad after they f- they figure out his ruse and defeat the doom bots and he's like Bah doom mad no i don't think doom talks like that but uh um, <laughs> anyway he gets pretty pissy and he runs off and says this isn't over and the avengers are like whoo dodge the bullet there our base is safe and we figured out how he got in without him telling us he uh he he sent the doom boss in parts in this little air shaft that we left unsecured and then when they got in they put themselves back together um, and that's how that's how he got in so we just gotta you know seal this bad boy off and uh and then our base is impregnable again until next time so <laughs> So the art on these is fine. There's a funny thing in the first one when they keep talking about the sub-basement, sub, sub basement, which I thought was really funny and really clever. Um, they abandon that in in the second part and just call it the sub-basement, which is not as much fun. Um, you know, But um, and there, there's a lot... I mean, Larry Hammer writes... There's a lot of good banter in these issues between the characters, and the art's pretty good. The story... Eh, it's fine um and Wolverine doesn't really do anything which is you know it's kind of weird that, that all the other heroes at like the Fantastic Four you know Submariner's there um you know New Warriors are there and really everyone just kind of sits on their hands and lets you know except for Reed does like a little bit but even the Thing, like, goes up to Rage, and, like, hey, don't lose your cool till we figure out what's going on, um, I thought that was interesting that, you know, they're all there, and I guess for the story, you don't need them to all fight, because that may, I I don't know if the story could be as kind of fun and whimsical if if you have, like, you know, Wolverine and Thing, you know, know, beating the crap out of Dr. Doom, but, um, anyway, I, I would probably give both of these issues, um, You know, minor change in the art, but I think with the consistency and inking, it feels pretty uh, continuous. So I'm going to give both of these a pretty solid four out of six claws. It was a nice little Dr. Doom story. Got to play on his ego, which is always what you want with Dr. Doom. Um, Yeah, yeah. A a very solid four out of six claws for both of those. Um, I don't remember if, Hama had done a couple issues of Avengers before, where he introduced his new Avenger Rage. Um, I don't remember how many more he does after this, but I'm glad I got to talk about a couple of them on the show, even if very briefly, since, of course, we're in, in full-on Hama time in the the Wolverine Solo series. So that's going to do it for this bonus episode. actually went a little longer than I thought, but I ho- I'm sure that's okay with you guys. Um, so up next, um, we have gosh we have a bunch of books for july including kind of what's i guess the replacement issues since we don't have a wolverine solo series right now in current day the next flashback will be the mirror island saga so looking forward to that so anyway i need to get going um so for the podcast that goes snitch, you can like the facebook page Twitter is at SnickCast, and of course, always, always, always appreciate retweets and Facebook shares if you're so inclined, if you're enjoying the show, uh, that goes a long way to to help people kind of find out about us, so definitely appreciate that, Um, so that's going to do it, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody, bye-bye, and snacked.